Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, we are doing one of our special Missing Pieces episodes. We haven't done one of these in a while. What we do is we take a movie. You see, we started this podcast in 2018. And so we take a movie from the roughly recent-ish years of 2000 to 2017 Something that is in that perfect zone where you can talk about movies that might have inspired it and movies that have come since that it itself inspired. And we're going to do that today with one of the biggest movies of all time, actually the biggest movie of all time, James Cameron's Avatar, because at the time that this is going to go up, it is now out in re-release, a remastered version to get everybody ready for Avatar 2 after all these years finally coming out. Uh, so we have a great conversation and who else for a conversation about Avatar than the host of an Avatar podcast. I've got Sean from Savako, The Road to Avatar, and we have a great conversation, lots of great puzzle pieces, both for what inspired Avatar and what Avatar itself might have inspired. So that's coming up here in a second. Uh, right now, the time that this is going up, I'm also going to be on my way back from our first live show since before the pandemic. Uh, it happened over in Glendale, California at the Look Dine-In Cinema. Thanks to Cinema Week for making that happen. And to my guests, Colby Mack and Raul Nevedo and Rosa Parra. And uh, hopefully it went great. I'm sure it did. Uh, that recording will be up on Monday. And I'm excited for you all to hear it. Hopefully it went well. I'm sure it did. Anyway, before we get to the uh, Avatar conversation, I do want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy what we do here on the show, make sure to rate and review us wherever that is. And, uh, you know, five stars would be nice. So with all that said, let's talk about Avatar. All right, I've got Sean from Civico Road to Avatar podcast to talk about, of all things, Avatar. Sean, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. I always look forward to talking Avatar. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I was on your podcast just recently, and we knew that this is the year we're finally getting Avatar 2, Avatar The Way of Water, and also this re-release. Uh, it's all visually updated and everything. Already looked amazing back when it first came out, but uh, of course James Cameron has gone in and tinkered and made it look even better, and it's 
out in theaters, and uh, I'm excited to rewatch it. This will be coming up on the day of that re-release. We're recording it a little bit early, but um, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Uh, it's a movie that's come up on this podcast plenty of times over the years as something that inspires things. Uh, but before we get into Avatar, why don't you tell people a little about you and your podcast? Yeah, so my name's Sean. I started this podcast a couple months ago, uh, mostly on the back of the fact that I knew we were getting a new Avatar movie this year, and mm -hmm. I revisited the film around March, April time, and I was sort of like, hey, wow, this is a lot better than I remember. And also, <laughs> I was kind of trying to figure out like why everyone was kind of ragging on it, because I was watching sure. it going, kind of being like, no, this is, this is sick. I love it. Uh, yeah, and this was a chance for me to do like a podcast where everyone can just come on and talk about a different aspect because there is like 300 different things you can talk about in regards to the film yeah. because there's just so much going on with it absolutely yeah and uh, yeah like I said I, I saw it like a bunch back when it first came out in theaters back in 2009 uh, I was 100% in on it at home it, it didn't work quite as well for me and I'm really excited to go experience it in the theater again and see if it like recaptures some of that spark because uh, I, I, I'm not going to ever be one of those people that, you know, talks crap about it. I mean, it's James Cameron, come on. But, but at the same time, it definitely is a movie that feels like it was a hundred percent made for the theatrical experience. And so uh, getting a chance to see it again. And then of course, finally getting the sequel this year. Uh, I don't know. It's really exciting to me. Yeah. That's it. Like the fact we're getting the remaster as well kind of makes it perfect for this year in terms of like, there's yeah. going to be a bunch of people who were like, oh, I've, you know, I saw it back in 09. I'm not going to watch it again. Why would I watch it again? It was great when I first saw it. Not going to want to see it unless it's in a theater. So yeah. get a chance to see it again, slightly bumped up in terms of like what graphics we've had in the last 13 years as well. And yeah. People were going to see it for, in 3D for the first time ever because, like, there's a bunch of people who probably only saw it in 2D. And right, I think sure. I, I never saw it in 3D, I don't think. Um, so oh, okay. that's going to be something new for me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, that's awesome. That is great. Well, we're going to get into this is uh, for, for those listening, this is a, uh, a different kind of episode. We call these missing pieces, and they're usually movies that are roughly within 10, 15 years before we started this podcast that we can, they're in this uh, unique area where you can talk about movies that both inspired it and movies that it inspired. So we're going to start off the conversation talking about a few movies that may have inspired Avatar, and then we'll get into some movies that Avatar may have inspired. Uh, let's get into some of these puzzle pieces. We'll talk about all these other things about the movie along the way, but what do you have for your first piece for something that may have inspired Avatar? Okay, I'm going to get like one of the ones that always gets brought up and I'm going to do it because everyone's going to just immediately like comments and everything. It's just going to be about it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Pocahontas because literally yeah. everyone, <laughs> there's, it's one of the three that always gets mentioned and I'm sure we'll bring up the other two. Um, mm. But Pocahontas is the one that always sort of stands out to me because yeah, it's that story, the sort of going native trope of yeah. <laughs> a guy comes, falls in love with uh, someone native from that world uh, happens to be the chief's daughter and then fights against the people who brought him here. And yeah, look, that is is the story of Avatar. Look, I'm not going to deny it. Um, and I think Cameron's also been quite clear that, yeah, that is probably one of the inspirations. Like, I don't think he's very shy about admitting that he's taken a lot of inspirations. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny. I had, I have a few extras on my list just in case, because usually we have overlap, but because we're only doing like four each, I figured I would have a couple extras. Pocahontas is on my list mainly because like of all of the, uh, Oh, Avatar is just snarkily insert movie here in space. Um, you know, I, I, that's the one that I feel like you kind of can't get away without bringing up in a conversation like this. It really, <laughs> it really definitely, uh, it fits in every possible way. Uh, so yeah, it, it has to be here. And I, again, you know, like that's part of the thing about this podcast is like, I, I don't consider that a bad thing. I mean, like there are, there are places where these movies and these stories get inspired from. And uh, Pocahontas is a classic story and it fits and it works in this unique and different way here in Avatar with bringing it into, I mean, way past the 21st century yeah. with everything that they were able to accomplish with these effects and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a completely different take on that story, but you can clearly, clearly see the parallels. So uh, I, I think that's a great one to kick it off with. Um, I'm going to go with one that obviously James Cameron is uh, a part of the overall series, but I'm going to go with the first Alien, um, the 1979 original Alien film uh, from Ridley Scott. Um, Cameron, of course, coming on board for the sequel with Aliens, um, wanting to maybe go back and create his own Alien mythology and his own storyline with his own version of uh you know, an extraterrestrial world and the species that make up that world and build something from the ground up that is, you know, full on sci-fi, full on creatures and alien worlds and alien technologies and all the things that go along with the Alien series, all the things that go along with the now Avatar series. Um, you know, the Alien movie is just such a uh, perfect perfect thriller suspense film avatar obviously goes more in the action oriented kind of genre exactly what he did with his sequel to alien of course but um still i i think mainly focusing in on uh wanting to create an entire world that's where i would i would compare it to uh ridley scott's alien first and foremost uh i think that's a great shout because you think of the alien designs outside of the navi there's like um all the sort of like animal creatures and they're, yeah. they're so like clearly well defined in terms of like he wanted them to have a very specific look that is of this world and they've kind of, kind of got that theme going throughout regardless of which creature it is as well like they're i think you know by the end of the five films we're going to end up these creatures will be like very iconic to that series in terms of you'll know it was from avatar if you looked at it Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I remember actually back in 2009 when I was like so excited to go see this opening night, like the, the animals were like a big part of why I was excited. I was like, I can't wait to see these freaking weird alien creatures that he came up with. That's like the thing that I was like looking forward to the most. So yeah, all that stuff is awesome and super inventive. And that's part of what I'm excited about the sequel later this year. So, uh, yeah, totally. Uh, what do you have for your next piece? Um, so this is one I actually had a podcast episode on this recently. Um, it's mm -hmm. worth listening to. Uh, I had uh, Matt Packer come on and he basically gave me a full on essay about why the Emerald Forest is like the biggest inspiration for, um, oh. for Avatar and probably okay. for the way of water as well coming up. So that'll be <laughs> for the future to look forward to. Sure. Um, and it's, yeah, like it's again, it's this um, a character who was part of sort of like 
uh, a capitalist machine. In this case, he was part of like a crew who would do forest in a forest in Brazil. His son gets taken and is raised by the the natives of the land and the forest. And um, it's that sort of conflict, like the clash in cultures that you see. And that's obviously mm-hmm. very like apparent within Avatar. There's even a scene where it's uh, very similar to sort of Jake Sully waking up and there's like a bulldozer above his head about to crush him. There's sort of similar like elements to that where there's scenes which are like mirror images to it. Yeah. I, I've I've actually never seen the Emerald Forest, but I feel like I need to. I just watched uh, Zardoz last year yeah. for the first time. <laughs> Man, talk talk about uh, inventive sci-fi movies that are uh, completely insane. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I would like highly recommend like anyone who's like looking for just the Emerald Forest is fantastic anyway because he's a fantastic filmmaker. But yeah, this no, that, totally is. that film is like unreal in terms of it feels so uh grounded and there's so much uh care that feels like put into it as well mm-hmm. and considering it's like from the 80s as well and you know a lot of films didn't do quite as well being like culturally sensitive you'd say at the time this felt yeah. reasonably so you know like it had actors sure. from from there and yeah like showing a side of it which probably a lot of films didn't yeah no absolutely uh You know, I will go back to uh, 1973 for my next puzzle piece, Uh, a movie I just saw for the first time this year, Fantastic Planet, Uh, an animated, trippy French film uh, about a planet full of tall blue beings, and uh, there's themes of connection to nature and letting someone in who isn't one of them, and then rebellion against the overlords and crazy visuals and creatures like we were just talking about, and most of all, just like an unbridled sense of imagination in like just every ounce of what gets put on that screen and uh, seeing a world that you just absolutely have never seen before. And that to me is like the essence of what Avatar is. And I'm sure uh, James Cameron, you know, you know, with tall blue creatures, you know, <laughs> must have been at least somewhat inspired by this film. Yeah. that I haven't seen it, but that, just sounds like and to be fair it wouldn't surprise me he's like a lover of sci-fi why wouldn't he have found that film at some point absolutely (laughs) and uh definitely a recommendation it's uh it's 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 a wild one and absolutely insane so uh definitely people should check it out if they haven't seen it but what do you have for your next one uh now this one's more like to do with like how avatar got made and that's um the lord of the rings series and specifically like two towers um Mm -hmm. because i remember reading like uh, it was an article in James Cameron talking about he knew he could make Avatar as soon as he saw uh, Gollum on screen. Sure, that was the, like yeah. the moment where he was like, because I think he originally started writing Avatar in the nineties, and he was trying to figure out how he could get it made, and basically realized I have got there's no technology for this right now, uh, so there's no point me trying to make it because it's going to be awful. It- um so he waited and lord of the rings came out he saw Gollum like this fully fleshed out cg character and was just like oh there we go okay cool (laughs) green light it it's time to get moving because um you know that technology is so throughout the entire avatar film like without that it doesn't work absolutely i i completely agree and uh you know towards the end of the conversation i'm going to bring up a uh a list of movies that Avatar has appeared as a puzzle piece on episodes for in the past. And 
Lord of the Rings is on one of those. So absolutely. And uh, yeah, and I, I remember that quote too. I remember when he first said that about how like as soon as he saw Gollum, he was like, oh, yep, it's time. <laughs> like, you know, like I could finally make this thing that he'd probably been dreaming about since he was like a teenager in his yeah. bedroom or something. I'll, you know? I'll have to send so. you this um, this thing I, I found. And <laughs> weirdly enough, it come from the fact that he got sued uh, for, for, for plagiarizing ideas. Uh, and oh, it's like a deposition wow. of him explaining like his whole life story of like how I came up with Avatar, like every step, every inspiration he took. Um, wow. He won the case. So clearly it was it's good facts. Uh, I'll send it over nice. to you because I think people might find it interesting to read. Never bet against James Cameron. Yeah, right? This is it. I'm going to I'm going to make it. I'm making a T-shirt for that, I think. at this yeah. point. I'll, I'll wear that for sure. <laughs> Um, my, my next couple of pieces are both going to focus mostly on the technology. So I, it fits right in with going right after Lord of the Rings, but, uh, the first one, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, starting off with 2003, uh, Gore Verbinski and his team have created like some of the best visual effects that it's funny. Like if you're, you know, constantly online, like we are and, you know, on the Twitter world, like every, like six or 10 months or something, people will just start pointing out, oh my God, look how amazing uh, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean effects still are. Like, and people will be posting clips and it's like, yes, they do still look incredible. And to be able to create like a world that's so seamlessly, uh, you know, meshes real life with uh, those kinds of visual effects that are so out of this world, in that case, you know, under the sea, like sea creature type stuff. But um yeah, I mean, they it, at a time when most visual effects still weren't that great, um, it's just incredible what they were able to put together with those movies. And uh, so I, I think that definitely along with Lord of the Rings, I think that kind of shows uh, where effects were heading and James Cameron wanting to kind of capitalize on that and push things even further. Yeah. The Pirates of the Caribbean films are, are still some of my favorites in terms of if I ever want to like go back to something to be like, Oh, I fancy just having a bit of wonder in my life. They're perfect yeah. because for me, yeah, Davy Jones, that um, CGI is literally flawless. I watch yeah. it and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I can't see how you've done it, especially like thinking yeah. how long ago it was. Um, yeah. And yeah, it still stands up and I, I can't see a point where it doesn't stand up. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. And uh, yeah, I, I I always welcome when Twitter decides to bring it back up because I'm like, oh, I get to look at that again. That's awesome. Yeah, anytime, please. <laughs> you know, I think it's getting more frequent as well. It seems to be going from like, it went every six months to about every two months now. So well, soon enough, it'll be every other week. Nice. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm in. Uh, what, what do you got for your next piece? Uh, so my next one is actually something I watched today because I was um, thinking about like, Okay, let's make sure I definitely am right about this. Uh, Starship Troopers. Um, oh, nice. Because it is so very obvious, like, the connection for RDA to the army and <laughs> Starship Troopers. It's like a mirror image entirely. Because yeah. um, Stephen Lang's character from Avatar, uh, Miles Quaritch, is basically <laughs> just a character from Starship Troopers plopped in the sure. wrong movie. Because <laughs> he is so, like, ruthless, barbaric. <laughs> it's it's very odd to like so, sort of watch it and be like yeah that's exactly the same thing and it's about like humans going to this planet and being like everything around us is trying to kill us mm -hmm. it, <laughs> that that's a great piece i hadn't thought of that and, and i haven't watched starship troopers in a while i've been wanting to rewatch it it's it's so damn good and uh 
Yeah, so somebody like, you know, one of these like leftist type podcasts was like bringing up just about how the military is just so portrayed so evilly <laughs> in Avatar and just how hilarious it is. And like, we're just rooting for these aliens to just like rip them out of helicopters yeah. and throw them, you know, and uh, I, I love that about the movies. Like, I, I'm I'm on board. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, and, and that's part of the, the fun of Starship Troopers, too. I mean, you know, uh, it's gr- great piece. And uh a great reminder that I need to go rewatch that for sure sometime soon. My last puzzle piece for movies that may have inspired Avatar, a movie that was originally, I had thought of it to go on my inspired by, and then I realized, oh, wait, it was the year before. I could have swore it was after Avatar. Uh, the Wachowski Speed Racer from 2008. Um, I talk <laughs> about over-the-top visuals and something that you have never seen before. Um, you know, Avatar, that's the number one thing about Avatar is that, you know, yes, you could point to a story that's a little derivative of other things that have come before, but, um, visually you've never seen anything quite like it, but a year before the Wachowskis had also done something visually that you have never seen anything quite like it. And quite frankly, they did uh, a few years earlier with the matrix as well, but, um, speed racer, holy crap, like just some of the most insane CGI sequences and live action blended with CGI and just colors and visuals that are just popping off the screen in ways that just feel more lifelike than real life. Like it's completely insane. And, uh, an incredible theatrical experience as well. Um, Speed Racer totally underrated, and uh, I know it's got its cult nowadays. But uh, back when it came out, everybody didn't like mm. it for some reason. Uh, it's completely amazing. It's sort of weird to think because I don't think we've actually seen anything sort of match that manic energy of Speed Racer no. ever since. Like maybe the closest is i think robert rodriguez tries it every so often he tries to like match anything to that level um yeah i think he's like is it we we could be heroes or whatever it was on netflix a few years back trying to match that sort of like sure craziness but even that yeah like just visually it's yeah like there's nothing like it even yeah, even avatars absolutely. barely like it because i know like yeah. it's a connection in terms of like how much visuals are involved but they're so right. different wildly different in, in style yeah, one's beautiful and the other one is just completely insane. And you know, you using visuals for two different uh desired effects, I guess. Yeah, so definitely. Uh yeah. <laughs> so those are our puzzle pieces for uh movies that may have inspired Avatar. Let's move on to some things that Avatar inspired, which quite frankly, uh, we could be here all day. Um, I feel like our list could just go on and on and on, but, uh, let's, let's see what we got here. I've got four, you got four. What do you have for your first? So the first is going to, um, connect up to one I mentioned before, which is, I think the, the two, the second and third of the planet of the apes, Andy Serkis's planet of the apes ones. I think, I think they are sort of like, because of what Avatar was able to achieve in terms of having those CG characters, but also have those CG characters be the lead, I think mm-hmm. that sort of set the set the idea that Planet of the Apes could work in that sort of sense of having Caesar be the lead, have Andy Serkis full mocap, almost have a movie with like one human character for the entire time with the with the third yeah. one, and yeah, it kind of proved that it can work. And again, I think I think that trilogy is absolutely fantastic. Uh, really sort of oh, under-talked yeah. about nowadays, which is kind of crazy. 
Because oh, yeah. I remember, it, it, I remember it is when crazy. War came out and people go mad for it. They were like, this is the best blockbuster. This is how blockbuster cinema should be. And then like dead silence after that, sadly. It really does feel that way. It's really strange because, yeah, that, that movie was easily one of my favorite movies of the year. It came out, I think, 2018, 2018, 2019, somewhere yeah. around there. But yeah, absolutely incredible. And Andy Serkis is just the best when it comes to this stuff. Um, I'm wondering when him and Cameron will do something. We talked together. about this, that... didn't we? We talked about it on, our, on my podcast. Yeah, Saying that he, could, right. he should take over uh, if James Cameron ever retires. I'm sure he would love doing <laughs> it. He, uh, he needs a post-Venom gig so you know why not but uh yeah but those movies are amazing and you know i wouldn't be surprised if uh you know assuming avatar 2 is good if they pushed like zoe saldana or something for awards consideration mm -hmm. the way that everybody wanted andy circus to be pushed you know yeah absolutely so, i will go with uh a not as successful as any of these movies we're talking about uh pick for my first one but i feel like whenever i think of avatar it's the first thing i think of um and that's the clash of the titan movies that followed shortly thereafter with sam worthington um hollywood still has not quite figured out what to do with him it seems like but <laughs> they keep trying um and he was really good uh in that uh uh, under the banner of heaven tv series this year but uh clash of the titans was like the first big thing they tried to do with him a uh, remake of the classic stop motion animated films this time of course with very uh you know pirates of the caribbean Schneider. or avatar <laughs> you know cgi yeah and of course we got the kraken out of it so it did get a little bit of a big pop culture kind of push as far as that's concerned mm -hmm. but yeah just trying to push sam worthington out there also trying to continue the 3d push mm -hmm. from hollywood which obviously avatar is the biggest when it comes to trying to push 3d but we did get like a solid five six years maybe even a little longer than that of pretty much everything getting 3D releases uh, right after Avatar. They really tried to push it. Now we've kind of stepped back a little bit. I mean, 3D can be really fun when it's done well. Um, I, I feel like these were a big part of that catalyst to try to get everything to be 3D. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, I, I do feel sorry for Sam Worthington because when you, <laughs> when you sort of like peak immediately with Avatar, like what, what are you supposed to do afterwards? Like, Sure. Doing yeah. another blockbuster does seem a little redundant, and I feel like Clash of the Titans was kind of always destined to sort of fail in that sense because it was yeah. trying to like feed off of like obviously Avatar success, but also like stuff like Three Hundred and mm. things like that, and it just kind of sat in this sort of like middle section of not being hardcore enough, but not being like friendly enough for all audiences. So sure. it really couldn't figure yeah. out what it wanted to be. Yeah. No, that's absolutely fair. And uh, that actually, my next one will, will that description will, will fit that as well. But let's go to your uh, first piece. Uh, so for my next one, I um, I think How to Train Your Dragon, um, that series, I sure. think that's a really good one. Mostly because uh, it's all to do like the Banshees and things like that. I think that's the only time I've ever seen sort of that sort of flight uh, that Avatar, the sort of uh, feeling you have when you're watching Jake ride the Banshees for the first time. How to Drain Dragon is the only other film I can think of that's captured that sort of feeling of flight. Um, maybe, maybe Top Gun Maverick has a little bit, but it's not the same. <laughs> I feel like that's a bit more adrenaline than like, oh, what a what a fantasy full thing I want to do. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of like sort of with the How to Drain Your Dragon series as well. It's about like um, there's there's a lot of using those sort of uh, fluorescent colors as well. I think there's a whole 
section inside like a cave with the all lit up as though like it was on pandora yeah absolutely and you know that actually kind of brings up like for our first section of this conversation of the things that inspired it i mean we stuck to movies but um i remember back when it came out people talked about how it was like those like black light posters and things like that, that like people would have on their walls back in college mm. and stuff like that. And so, you know, that fits for how to train your dragon as well. And, uh, certainly for avatar. And it's like just those like visuals where it's like, man, I want to, I want to be there. That's cool. You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> so. it. Sometimes that's what you want for a film as well. You just want to be like, Oh, that's, that seems like a nice place to hang out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'll go to my next one. And like I said, uh, like we were talking about with Clash of the Titans, this was a mixed response to this movie, mostly negative, but um, I'm going with John Carter uh, from 2012. <laughs> yeah. Of course, John Carter, the original books would be on the list of things that uh, probably inspired um, every sci-fi movie, um, including <laughs> Avatar. Yeah, ev all of it. But uh, that's why <laughs> I wanted to bring it up as part of the things that Avatar inspired to actually finally come to life as a movie like this. And I actually love this movie. I'm one of its defenders. Um, I haven't seen it since the theater, granted. So, I mean, you know, who knows how it holds up. Mm. But I had fun with it. You know, again, we were talking about like all of these like alien creatures and stuff like that that are in avatar we got like really inventive alien creatures here we got like a a fun little world with a uh, a guy who's like out of his element he's also a soldier i believe in uh in john carter who's been transported to this alien planet in this case mars and um even john carter and jake soley have similar names you know in the cadence but uh it, it seems like there's so much that inspire you know the whole snake eating its tail kind of inspiration going on here but um I, it also, Taylor Kitsch kind of has a similar career trajectory with Sam Worthington, where like Hollywood just quiet, kind of didn't know what to do. He's kind of doing some interesting TV work lately, it feels like. I mean, he's really good in True Detective. You know, he, he's an interesting actor. And there's a lot of things in here that I think just, I don't know if it's timing. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, what it exactly it is that made it not connect with audiences, but it just didn't quite work out, but it certainly has its cult following now. And, uh, I'm, I'm proud to be part of that. Yeah. You know what? That's one that I've got on my list to rewatch. Cause I know how, cause it was only a few years after as well. So it's quite clearly they were, they saw the avatar did well. They're like, all right, John Carr inspired it. We're going back to it. Yeah. Bats on the roots. Um, yeah. And I do, I have seen it. I know I have seen it. I can't remember anything about it, but I know I've seen it. <laughs> so I'm Fair. hoping if I could watch it again, I'll be like, yeah. oh yeah, no, this is better than I remember sort of thing. I'm, I, I imagine that could happen quite easily. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, uh, what do you got for your next one? So for my next one, it's sort of, um, it's like a twofer sort of thing, because I want to include Guardians of the Galaxy, but also want to talk about sort of Marvel in general, <laughs> if that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, so Guardians of the Galaxy most specifically because Zoe Saldana just, she sort of became the go-to, we need an alien woman, <laughs> unfortunately. Like, sure. she is more yeah. than just that, but she has become the go-to, because she did it in Star Trek as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, I mean, good for her. She's, she's like, making megabucks constantly from these films. Sure. But overall, with regards to, like, Marvel, it's, like, the, the visual effects side of things, so, like Groot, Thanos, uh, Hulk as well, they, these sort of characters have become more and more lifelike than ever before, and I'm sure yeah. Avatar must have some sort of influence on that. And one other thing is that, obviously, Endgame sort of... <laughs> 
wanted to be Avatar at the box office. So I think that's sort yeah. of a, a piece in itself to be like, you know, they re-released Avatar Endgame like a couple months after it came out with just like five seconds of extra un <laughs> unfinished footage just to try and beat the box office. Uh, they did, and then it got beat again like a year later, so... <laughs> Quite frankly, I might have to uh, go to this Avatar re-release like multiple times just to make sure Avatar ends up back on top. Oh, it's already uh, on top. That... It's already there. Uh, China it did, did make it, it for back it. already. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good. It, that's where it needs to stay. I mean, come on. I mean, on this re-release, we might be hitting three billion. Who knows? <laughs> let's do it let's absolutely do it well uh yeah you know what it's funny you brought up marvel because yeah i was gonna say like you know you can't talk about big blockbuster movies in the world past avatar um you know without talking about marvel i was gonna bring up thor ragnarok as my puzzle piece in the marvel world you know as far as like big over-the-top visuals go what taika watiti did with uh with ragnarok is equally insane and over the top i mean i think you know we talk about like things like speed racer and and other movies that you know really paint a picture of a world that you've never quite seen before on screen i think ragnarok does that um so i think combining guardians of the galaxy and thor ragnarok as two examples of you know marvel as the new cultural force when it comes to movies for better or worse. And, uh, you know, but like you said too, like with, with Thanos and, uh, you know, these, these characters becoming more and more lifelike and more and more, the visual effects are such a big part of the storytelling and there. There's no real disconnecting them anymore. Avatar set that in motion a hundred percent. I do think it's interesting as well with, um, there's been a lot of talk about the new Black Panther trailer. Obviously there's probably another Black Panther trailer in between. <laughs> when we've recorded yeah. this ad when it's released um but yeah. the one we saw uh, a few months ago it had everyone was like just saying oh man this looks just like uh the way of water trailer um yeah and i think there is probably going to be like some similarities because obviously there's like this whole thing about like avatar it's trying to get the unobtainium in black panther they're trying to get the vibranium <laughs> mm -hmm. and there's even like some blue people in Black Panther, yeah. Wakanda Forever, which sort of, I think, yeah, and there's like a bit where they're riding a whale, so I think it's, there you go. yeah, look, it's just happening, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be coming up later on, I'm sure for you. They need to have a crossover, and oh. then we'll achieve world peace, oh. apparently. I don't know if that's world peace, that sounds like something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you have for your next one? Uh, for my next one, ooh, let's go for, you know what, I want to talk about The Martian, because um, I always love talking about The nice. Martian. It has this sort of similar idea, Jake Sully like, does vlogs all the time throughout Avatar, um, really similar to how Matt Damon does in The Martian, and I kind of love it. Sure. Um, it's a really simple way of just getting you into the mind of him. Um, he's not the most complex character, so it's kind of nice to have him audibly just say what he's thinking a lot of the time and the martian has to do it because he's got no one else to talk to other than the audience sure so it's it's a nice like way to get you in the mind of jake sully and i know some people don't like it uh i like it <laughs> yeah yeah i guess we could have brought up star trek in the first part of our conversation there of things that inspired mm. <laughs> avatar as long as we're talking about yeah, uh, voice logs but uh yeah yeah absolutely the martian also you know again like I, I, it seems like the biggest uh legacy of avatar is that like 
melding of visual effects as part of what the story is. Like, you know, you can't separate them. You can't do the movie without the visual effects because it is an effects-based movie. And uh, The Martian, I feel like, it's a movie that, like, kind of lives and breathes by looking and feeling perfectly real. Like, you need to feel like Matt Damon is really stuck there and that it's, like, a real environment and everything about it is actually happening. And, yeah, you can do sets and stuff like that, but, I mean, there, in The Martian, it absolutely, everything about it feels real. And, again, you know, Ridley Scott, that's, like, kind of his thing. Like, everything is just super visceral with a lot of Mm -hmm. his movies, so it makes sense that it would be uh, taken to that extreme. Yeah, and I, I... I think Avatar is actually really good in that sense of all the technology that, that they show and use is very realistic still, even despite the fact it's meant to be like 100 odd years in the future. Uh, everything yeah. feels as though, yeah, it should probably exist by that point. And we understand, like we look at it and we can visually be like, oh, okay, I understand that as a thing that I've seen in real life and why it would still exist to that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll go with my last one. and. Uh it's funny like i mean i I like thor ragnarok but somehow like the pieces and i like john carter but the pieces that i'm i'm picking here a lot of them are like kind of mixed reaction like you know and i I don't know why that ended up i didn't like plan it that way but uh i'm going with valerian in the city of a thousand planets for my uh my last piece luke basson is no stranger to making big over-the-top visually crazy stuff before avatar but um you know what the hell is happening in this one (laughs) like you know like let's just take the technology and go as far as we could possibly go just fill every frame with as much as we possibly can uh that seemed to be the idea with this movie um Avatar proved that you can do it. Like you can actually like paint every single frame with new ideas and new, new elements and new, like filling out this world with stuff. You may never know what everything on that screen is. You, you would have to like read an an encyclopedia, which I'm sure there is avatar encyclopedias of, you know, all the plant life and all that stuff, which I believe he came up with like every (laughs) single little thing, you know, but like you don't necessarily I mean, maybe, depending on who you ask, you need to know about it all, but you don't necessarily need to know all of those details. They're just all part of a, of a big tapestry of what creates this world. And Valerian doesn't quite work as a movie, but, like, to just go... To just say, like, I want to have pure, total imagination and throw everything I can think of on that screen and just see what happens... Like it's, it's, it's a wild different way of filmmaking and it's kind of exciting. And when it works, things again, like Speed Racer, I keep bringing up, but, and Avatar itself, um, when it works, it's, it's very exciting. Mm. And you know what? I was going to, um, outside of Valerian, I also think, um, Jupiter Ascended. And they're like a weird, like double bill yes. that would be possibly the worst <laughs> sci-fi combination you can make i don't know why you'd put them two together no one's going to go to that double bill um yeah. but it's, it's it's again it's this sort of similar idea of like you know we can do this crazy otherworldly stuff um should we have um maybe <laughs> maybe maybe you know? not um sometimes sometimes too much is too much yeah yeah so you know speaking of jupiter ascending um 
you know, Eddie Redmayne is so incredible <laughs> in that movie. Um, th that's the reason to ever go back and rewatch it. I, I would say Stephen Lang just being such a huge over-the-top villain, like just so obvious mm. villain, uh, you know, you could kind of draw some comparisons there as well. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm glad you brought up Jupiter's ending. <laughs> that's so, the only yeah. time anyone has ever said those words, that someone is yes. glad they brought up Jupiter's ending. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I wrote down um, all of the times that Avatar has come up on piecing it together. I, I always tag the episodes with all of the puzzle pieces. This way I'm able to keep track of this stuff. And so I figured I would just run through them all and we can very briefly, um, you know, any thoughts on any of them. Uh, most recently was uh, Mad God, Phil Tippett's um, insane stop motion animated over the top thing that happened this year. Uh, it's a crazy movie. Did you see Mad God? I haven't. No, I I think it has been released in the UK, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, okay. It's definitely on my list because I've read about it and it does genuinely sound mad. Yeah, it's wild. Um, a Missing Pieces episode on the Matrix trilogy. Uh, it came up on and also a Missing Pieces episode on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, you know, both the two of the biggest series ever of course, Avatar is, I think, kind of entwined with these visual effects based epic movies i think as well with like matrix it's kind of interesting in terms of the sort of uh outsider coming into a new world narrative as well i suppose it's a little, little less obvious than the so, sort of pocahontas sort of references but sure neo is doing a similar sort of journey and there's the plugging in element of it as well yeah absolutely uh, one other missing pieces was our episode on Zack Snyder's 300, um, which uh, you brought it up uh, earlier, actually, when uh, talking about one of the other ones. But uh, yeah, I mean, 300, you know, started, I, I think, like a kind of modern version of like that, you know, uh, what we say, like hardcore kind of <laughs> action blockbuster making, you know, and and uh, I, I think that there's some of that here as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, it it definitely pushes the limits of a PG thirteen. Sure. I, <laughs> I think three hundred must have been a fifteen at least, right? I something like that. Surely, yeah. <laughs> there's no way it's yeah. a PG thirteen. Um, yeah. I, James Cameron's got this kind of knack of knowing when to sort of like toe the line and those sort of things. You know, he knows. Okay, this is how much violence I can include. Yeah. Um, and he really like pushes that. You know, there is some like pretty dangerous stuff going on in uh, Avatar. It, he doesn't shy away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of what makes Cameron Cameron. I mean, he's mm. somebody who he just loves movies like that, you know? And so he's of course going to bring that kind of uh, dangerousness into his films. And uh, no matter how uh, mainstream or blockbustery they are, he's still going to have that edge to it. And so that's, it's always exciting. Um, next up is The Midnight Sky, the uh, George Clooney Netflix film, which I honestly barely remember, but we talked about Avatar on that one. <laughs> I haven't seen that one, I'll be honest with you. Okay, we'll move on from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Possessor from uh, Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, I remember we specifically talked about Avatar for the, uh, you know, switching bodies and, you know, transferring your consciousness to a, to a different person. Possessor is a really cool film. It's, it's one I've, again, I haven't caught it, but I know that it's on my sort of radar to catch at some point. Um, yeah. I, I heard such good things about it in terms of like just being a bit of a, a crazy one. And yeah. I, I like anything that's kind of challenging and does a little bit. Of, I'm, I'm always looking for films that do something a bit different nowadays. I think uh, yeah. I like to be challenged a little bit more. 
So, yeah. yeah that well, seems in that case, me. maybe you watched this next one. Uh, it's called Cats. Um, oh, my God. So <laughs> challenging. Um, you know what? I was thinking, I was thinking like five minutes before I did this, I was like, do I swap out one of my other ones for cats specifically yeah. um i advised myself <laughs> against it because i wanted to try avoid talking about cats if i could um this is like the dark side of the arts um really... for mo cats um for every you know planet of the apes you get you get a cats and mm-hmm. um yeah it's not good <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute i i don't it's so weird it, it's I, I mean, I, I will say I had a good time just because it was completely insane, but it's, no, it's not good. I didn't even uh, have a good time. I, I watched it in theater. <laughs> I watched it with my wife and her mom, and my wife loves the musical. She thinks it's great. Um, uh-huh. She was watching it, and she was like, this doesn't make any sense. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so wild. Oh, man. Next up, a movie. I was I was almost going to bring it into my uh, list, but I was like, eh, it's too on the nose. And also, we already talked about it, so it'll be on here. But uh, Alita Battle Angel, which, of course, Cameron was going to direct, ended up just producing. But, um, you know, uh, Robert Rodriguez directed and... Uh, I love. I mean, I'm 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 firmly a part of the Alita army. Bring on the sequel. Yeah, and to be fair, we're actually recording this on Alita Day as well. Um, oh wow, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, Alita Day. Um, I can't remember what the hashtag is for getting the sequel, but yeah, get the sequel, please. I would let's, love a sequel. Let's get it. Honestly, and um, think of the rubbish sequels we get. And this is a film which has actually got like an interesting way to go with the story. Um, I'd love to see them do something more with it. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think as a character, Alita is very interesting in terms of she's very like integrated into that world seamlessly. There's not a point yeah. of it where I'm looking at her and being like, mm, "Looks a little, looks, something's off." Yeah. Whenever I see uh, Rose Salazar pop up in something, I'm like, "Oh wow, it's it's real Alita. Like, you know, like <laughs> she's a real person. Wow, that's wild." Um, <laughs> uh, next up, How to Train Your Dragon, which you brought up as a piece. So we did actually talk about that at one point. Um, and then next was Aquaman, which I love. I'm a big Aquaman defender, but talk about like creating a visual world, you know, holy crap. That mm-hmm. movie is just so over the top and just again, like, like Valerian, like Speed Racer, just using every last inch of every frame to really just paint a picture. Um, I, I, as ridiculous as the movie is, I, it's just so much fun to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I do find it interesting that Aquaman, the sequel was going to come out like the same week as Avatar 2 and they sort of pushed it back a whole year. And I get yeah. why they did because the audience like crossover is so much in that. Yes. You know, it would have absolutely been a waste to have had Aquaman came out at the same time. And now it's kind yeah. of got a free run next Christmas, so good for them. Yeah, I can't wait. And uh, the last one uh, that we have brought up Aquaman on back in the first like few episodes of piecing it together, Ready Player One from Steven Spielberg. Um, I again, you know that that just over the top, the visuals and the uh, you know again not being able to disconnect visuals from the story like you know the cgi is a big big part of what drives that story and is so important to it and so i I think that really kind of plays a part a lot of really what's happened in blockbuster filmmaking in the last you know 10 20 years yeah it's definitely gone a lot more that way in terms of like is if a film doesn't visually like fit it doesn't really matter what how good the story is it's got that problem of not being able to connect the same way as uh 
some films got away with probably back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that does it for Avatar. I'd ask you for uh, closing thoughts, but you've got a whole <laughs> podcast of closing thoughts that people should check out. So uh, instead, I'm going to ask you, is there a movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, so I did actually catch Nope recently. <laughs> so oh, nice. I would always recommend anything Jordan Peele. Uh, that's always a great one. And I yeah. adored Nope. Um, I, me too. I, it was kind of crazy. I didn't actually get it spoiled for me, despite the fact of watching it two months late. So wow. I'll take that as a win. Yeah. You got to get the wins where you can. <laughs> yeah, that's and, uh, it. Especially like nowadays, yeah. you cannot go into anything without being spoiled, especially if you don't watch it like the first week. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. But yeah, Nope, great movie. And uh, I bet uh, James Cameron loved Nope. Oh, um, absolutely. He seems yeah. like the sort of person who would kill for more films like that. Absolutely. So uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your podcast? Yeah, so the podcast is Siveco Road to Avatar. Uh, you can usually find me either at Avatar Pod. It's probably the best way to find me. That's on Twitter, Spotify. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, it's getting to an exciting time right now because uh, we would have had D23 just happen. We would have had the remaster coming out. And we're like got three months till to away water, and there's just gonna be a big old build up till then. So uh, join now for an exciting ride. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on this one, and uh, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll be able to get you back again sometime for a uh, maybe Avatar adjacent movie or something. We'll oh, see absolutely, what we can do. anytime. <laughs>
And of course, you can follow us on social media at Pacing Pod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. I'm uh, almost done with my next album, so I'll be posting some more snippets there soon from the album before that comes out, and uh, some bonus tracks as well once the album is out. So definitely check it out. It's produced by David Rosen over on Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash Rosen support the show you know it's uh got a lot of good stuff on there so uh let's close this out with a piece of music like i always do and speaking of free bonus music um this one was actually on one of my free albums that's exclusively available on my band camp uh the album was called further into the dark and this song is called forgotten world it seems like a good fit for Pandora and Avatar. So, uh, yeah, let's play Forgotten World, and I will be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.